Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, welcome to the wrap-up. On a wonderful Wednesday night where I'm joined by Aiden and Zarar. We're slowly accumulating members of the wrap-up team. And you're going to see every every game, there's going to be one more, one more. And the Raptors and the Celtics have just proved once again that they cannot play a normal game together. Um, overtime, preseason basketball, starters sucked, bench were amazing and brought them back into it. And the Raptors win in overtime. Uh, let's, let's talk about the end of the game before we get into like the starters. Cause I do have thoughts, but they're a little more negative than what happened at the end of the game. So let's start with the positive, get into the negatives. Um, what jumped out to you guys, Aiden, I'll start with you. What jumped out with that bench group that brought them back in it, whether it was a style of play or, or a couple individual players. I mean, you don't want to get overly excited with bench production against, you know, this third stringers of another team but this final camp spot and again you know when you're a a basketball nerd and like you're really concerned about things like the 15th spot on a on a roster and i like josh jackson's making a legitimate case for himself wancho's made it pretty clear that he's fairly one-dimensional like you can tell when he gets the ball he just kind of wants to give it up he's very um linear with what what he's doing and then you see Josh Jackson out there, and he's 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 scoring at all three levels. It's pretty crazy. I don't know how sustainable it is, but um, you know he shone in the fourth quarter and in overtime, uh, and a big reason why they won this game. Not that that really matters, but yeah. Zarar, you want to talk I think about the Josh contrast Jackson? With everything in this game, uh, you know, like you saw that first half, and you know that somebody made a comment in here that, that Fred should never start against Boston. I agree. I think they just own him. They just own him defensively, offensively. They post him up. They destroy him. And he, there's nothing he can do about it, it seems. But in the, in the second half, completely different story because this unit really moved the ball well. And whether it be Fred Brown or Josh Jackson or or, or even Delano Banton, like, you know, just... Gabe Brown. Gabe Brown. Gabe Brown, sorry. Gabe Brown. <laughs> it, just good ball movement, man. And like, they, they didn't do anything fancy. It was just basic stuff, getting up the floor, giving the ball up instead of trying to go one-on-one. And that's the thing with the, with the starters. There's too much one-on-one going on with pretty much everybody on the roster. That seems to be like their option. Whenever a the, the regular play breaks down, it's like one-on-one immediately. And the second unit sort of resisted that urge and it, it paid off for them. Yeah, yeah you like- know what? Everybody, sorry, Orin, it looked like everybody would, for the starting guys, it just looked like everybody's trying to test out their new, like what they've been practicing. You know, it's just like, okay, your turn, all right, your turn. Yeah, like I I, I said I was going to not talk about the starters till the end, but I lied. Let's do it because you're right. You made a good point about the contrast. I totally agree that the ball movement was totally different. And the frustration comes from like, 
I don't think that it's Nick Nurse's fault necessarily or that they're trying things out necessarily. I think this is exactly the type of defensive team that takes the Raptors out of anything they can do, which is that they switch a lot. The Boston Celtics are are big everywhere. They switch everywhere. And the Raptors, as you saw in that first half, just devolve into iso ball because they don't have counters to that. They don't have a pick and roll big. They just don't have anything that can really end that switch heavy scheme. Siakam was really good. I'm happy with how he looks like he was the one guy who him and OG, I thought in ISO were getting what they wanted. Otherwise it looked terrible and it was just ISO ball and it was really refreshing. You know, part of it is just that they were playing worse backups in terms of what the Celtics had. But part of it was, yeah, like they made a little bit more of an effort to make the extra pass than I thought the starters did. I remember talking really like high on how the starters moved the ball against the Jazz, but that was also the Jazz. And in this game, I can remember like three off the top of my head where the starters just took the shot instead of making that extra pass. And Fred was one of them who took the open three in transition when Barnes was standing under the basket, yeah. just just mad that he didn't get the ball. That happened a bunch, and it was really – it's not exactly what you want to see at this point in preseason, I don't yeah. think. There is a lot of Cam love, so we should quickly, before we go completely negative, shout out Cam. I mean, he hit two, <laughs> what, he hit two threes. Was, Yo, that was crazy. My mind is blown yeah. by Cam hitting threes. So, but somebody it, in the quick reaction said that Cam looked pissed to be out there. Like he was angry to be out there with the other four scrubs. Yeah, yeah. Well, he should be. But he was great. Um, like, I did not believe in Cam ever hitting threes in an in a NBA game. But good on him. Clearly worked on it. Clearly has the confidence to take it. And he hit a couple. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, I thought Gary played okay early. It was kind yeah. of it was kind of a reminder. Like, people keep writing Gary off as, you know, the, the guy that doesn't fit or whatever. But he's truly the one dude, other than Pascal, that's able to create. I mean, we talked about this before. Nothing just – or put create nothing into something. Um, especially in that mid range, especially when things are stagnant. And I mean, it's preseason. We're not like, I think there was a, definitely a lack of tenacity and killer instinct throughout the game from the starters. And whether that's just fatigue or disinterest, whatever. Um, so like, we can't read too much into it. And I think that this, the problem, what we can read into is that the margin of success for this team is very thin when they're not giving it their all all the time. And I think that's kind of where we as fans are concerned is that like the Raptors are, their skill level is not to the height of like, I don't know, Philly or Brooklyn where they can kind of take it down a gear and, and still figure it out. Like the Raptors kind of need to all be locked in all the time. And you kind of see, you see that firsthand tonight. Yeah, or Boston. I thought Boston was just showed that they were clearly a step yeah. ahead of them in a different tier. Like you can put the preseason qualifier there, but both teams had their starting lineups out there. Their big guys played. And yes, you make a good point about how the Raptors need to go at a hundred percent at all times in order to challenge teams like that. But I also thought that like the this is what I was trying to get to at the beginning. Like the deficiencies of this roster really show against a team like Boston. And you can blame Nick Nurse all you want for not being very original on the offensive end. You can blame the starters for getting a little ISO heavy or or like shot happy at times. 
But ultimately, this is what this team is. It's a team that struggles in the half court against good defenses like Boston. And that's why I thought, I, I mean, I was a little disappointed tonight just because like we go into every offseason being like, what's going to change? Who's going to be the guy that changes the half court offense? And as much as, yes, there's a preseason qualifier, I think it's pretty clear that it's going to be a similar deal against the best defenses in the league. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think there's no doubt, uh, not not that we needed this game to determine this, but Boston is definitely ahead of us uh, in pretty much every category. And they also play as a team and they also have some some semblance of an offense on how they want to approach it. It's not like the Raptors at all. As much as you hate them, and I do hate them, you know, I hate them, I hate them, right? But you have to give them credit that they they know what their identity is and they Mm -hmm. subscribe to it. And even when their backups come in, they they never take bad shots. Have you have you can you count how many bad shots the Celtics took today? Like shots that you would go be like, oh, I don't know about that one. They don't. Yeah. It, now it, you contrast the bad shots with the Raptors, you can count a lot more than that. And I think that's just when you you subscribe to the to to, to your offense and you understand that if you follow your role, you will get a good shot out of it. They do that. The Raptors don't. And I think that's the that's the major difference between the two. I thought the Celtics controlled the game to that point. Like I I thought that the Celtics didn't run very original offense. I thought both teams were playing ISO ball, but that's how the Celtics want to play. They like ISO ball. They like getting in the paint and then, and then spraying it out uh, through isolation. That's just how a lot of their offensive system is built. And whereas the Raptors, it is not at all. They, the Raptors want to get out and transition, avoid the half court. And they didn't do that at all in the first half. And I find myself missing a guy like Kyle Lowry in this game. And like, to be fair to Fred, he wasn't going 100%. But it was just one of those games where Kyle is able to control a game and not always let the other team dictate how you play and take you out of iso ball when he knows it's not working. And the Raptors, I guess, with this starting five, just don't have a guy who does that, who who is able to not only settle things, but actually run stuff that's going to get guys involved in the best positions for them to succeed yeah that that should be freddie and i think that's kind of what's frustrating about freddie is even like moving moving him off ball is about getting another shooter on the weak side but it's also kind of about i don't know trying somebody else out that can control the tempo or at, at the right tempo than than freddie because he he didn't really do it last year, and I think that he was supposed to do that in place of Kyle. Um, and I think so. That is kind of disappointing. And again, the, like context matters. Last year, we like a lot of the offensive load was on Freddie, but I was surprised that he didn't have that patience or wisdom that Kyle provided. So we'll see this year if that if that changes. Yeah. Uh, let- no. Go ahead, um, Oren. No, I don't really have any more thoughts on on the starters. I was gonna get back to yeah, let's do the that. guys who kind of closed out the game. Um, yeah. You mentioned Can we talk about Coloco a little bit. I, I, I yeah, exactly. I he, yeah, because yeah. I, I I thought he showed something beyond more than what people were expecting of him. I thought his a little mid range jumper was quite. It looked good first of all. It went in, but the form looked pretty solid. Uh, so that was a little bit of a surprise to me that that he was I, he sort of has the green light to take that shot. Uh, and his hook looked pretty good too. So he's been sold so far as like a pick and roll kind of 
kind of kind of crash the paint type of dude. But I think in, in this game, he showed two aspects, the jump hook and the little jumper, which were both a little surprising, positively. He does not look like the player he looked like in summer league. Like he really looks like he's improved quite a bit in a short period of time. And yeah, the touch around the rim was definitely nice to see. But in summer league, he just didn't know where he was going on offense. And I thought he has a way better sense of space now. And defensively, like, holy, this guy is solid. He got switched on to Tatum a couple times. He got switched on to everyone. And he's staying. I did not peg him as a guy who could switch like this. He's switching, staying in front of guys on the perimeter. And yeah, I'm I'm really impressed. I know I've said on here a couple times that like I don't see him any way he's going to make the rotation. I'm honestly kind of second guessing myself. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it is it, it is I, it's nice seeing somebody who you can confidently depend on to get to the ball when he's in the middle, right? Like you have Birch, who's there positionally. Like he knows what to do, and then he's just too short or too short armed, and it's it's refreshing to see Coloco who doesn't fully get his positioning right yet, but he's so long and athletic that he can cover enough ground to do that. Um, and yeah, and I it's also nice to see we Oren and I were at training camp last week, and we saw you know him working it in the post, and it's 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 always good to see that there's quick the dividends are quick, right? Like sometimes guys work on this stuff and it doesn't show for a long time, but for him to be such a quick learner, learner um, and have the confidence to do so is, is a good sign. Yeah. Um, yeah. He just looks mature. Like another thing is just the, the speed of the game was too fast for him at summer league. And he was dropping passes, not knowing where they were coming from. He seems to really be a quick learner because he just looks like the speed he's caught up to. And all he's had is like, I guess, some Rico Hines runs in a training camp. So I'm I'm really impressed. Like he clearly also gives them that other dimension, which we have all kind of said every time he comes on the floor. But like I was saying about how, oh, no, my headphones just died. I was saying how like that switch heavy scheme really screwed the Raptors. I thought when Coloco got in there, it changed a little bit because he could roll to the rim and actually create some pressure at the rim. And that freed up some shooting on the on the weak side. Um, so he he's definitely like an X factor in terms of when things aren't going right, you can put him in there and see if it changes. Yeah, but the, the question that I think people will ask after a game like this, and maybe it's too premature to ask, is that you know he's sort of been slotted as he's the 905 guy. He's building the next 905 dynasty. That's what's happening with the 905 right now. If you're not paying attention, uh, do we do we see him making meaning, meaningful contributions with the big club? Aiden, do you want to take this before you go? I don't know. I don't know. Only because I think Birch is suddenly the guy looking in on the rotation, and then it's so so then it, you're telling me that Coloco is going to play over Birch, basically, right? Like, I don't know. That well, I thought really... it was interesting that Coloco got in the game before Birch today. Well, yeah, I know. But that I think that's be- because they're slowly inching Birch back to game speed. But, I mean, maybe there really is a competition here. Uh, I, it remains to be seen at full speed. I'm going to 
if I'm wagering on this, I'm I'm very narrowly saying no, and that he's just going to be a 905 guy um, because it makes more. There's no sense rushing him. We're paying Birch. Birch has proven that when he is healthy and playing with the starting guys or the near start top starting guys, like he's a plus player, right? So maybe we call him Coloco up, like when we call Pascal up in the old days when it's certain teams that we need kind of that athletic big in the middle. Like, I think, I think we will see him in spurts, but I think predominantly he's going to be nine five. Yeah. On that note, I'm going to depart. Love to you all. Okay. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks later. Yeah. yeah I, I probably lean nine Oh five to start the season, but I was way more that way before the last couple of games. And if he keeps doing this in the preseason, I might change my mind. Um, there's definitely a chance he gets in the rotation by the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about someone else, though, who you you said Coloco. I thought Banton was really good today. He came in and, like, he didn't play the first half. And then when he came in, he just brought an energy and a relentlessness. Like, literally the first four possessions he was in the game was either he stole the ball or he laid the ball up on the other end. Um, I thought his energy was great. And I thought just like he's always had those strides to the basket, but he didn't finish well. Like Lewis had a piece today uh, at Raptors Republic about how he's like, he, he was one of the worst transition finishers in the league last season, even though it looks good. And it just looks like he, his touch around the rim is a lot better, even if he's at a hundred percent speed right now. And, yeah, like, honestly, tough, tough luck for Malachi Flynn. This guy has the worst luck you could you could imagine. Yeah. But but Banton's he's taking advantage of these opportunities, I think. Yeah. And Banton actually fits the profile better anyways with the whole six nine thing we're doing. And the, the only reason Banton would uh, or Flynn would play ahead of Banton would be because he's. I know he could he could maybe he maybe could he could be a better shooter or a better uh, better handler of the ball in tight spots, but if Banton is able to close those gaps on Flynn, which it looks like he's doing in the first two games, then they're really bec- then then Flynn's position sort of becomes untenable because then then you, you get into the argument that what does Flynn do better than Banton to deserve a chance over him? And if Bl- if Banton plays the way he played this game and the last game. Um, and more so this game, uh, you know, then it's very difficult to answer that question uh, on, on what, what does Flynn do better than Banton. So, yeah, like like this play right here, like the, the, the left-handed finish here in traffic, Flynn's not going to do that. Like you need length no. to do that. So, and that seems to be the Raptors sort of – they use this move a lot. Like Siakam does this a lot. OG tries to go like this. Scotty Barnes goes to the rim and tries to kind of lean in for the finish. That, that that opportunity seems to be always available for the Raptors. And Banton is in a better position to take advantage of those situations than Flynn is. So, yeah, you're right. Flynn's luck kind of sucks. I can't wait for his dad to pipe up any day now with some sort of conspiracy theory. Uh, but, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't look good for Flynn on, um, you know, the attack is coming from the north and the south. Yeah, I mean, Flynn better – Flynn still shoots – a lot better than Banton. That's really the only thing. But I found it interesting that in the half court today, the Raptors were mostly playing Banton off the ball and just getting him catch and shoot looks or, or really like catch and attack looks or cut looks 
rather than having him handle the ball. Cause you know, he was playing with Doughton, I think for most or Pascal here for most of the game. So there was always like a primary ball handler. Um, actually here, he is really the primary ball handler, but yeah, at least in the second half he was playing off the ball and he really made it work, which is the big question with him. Like if the ball is not in his hands, can he be effective? I thought, I thought today he was and defensively both games. He's really made an impact with his size. Uh, we can go back and forth here. Anyone else you want to talk about? I think like all 20 guys played today. I, I think, so. I think Gabe Brown is probably deserves a Gabe a Brown. I mean, yeah. you know, the confidence, uh, the Southpaw, uh, you, you love a guy who can sort of just, uh, here we go. Here we go. This is, this is the play where uh, the pull up three, come on. I mean, can we can you watch that clip again, just so like we we soak yeah. it in here? I saw, um, oh, nice, nice. Just confidence of taking that shot with the score, what it is. Uh, the, the Raptors are down one with two minutes left, and this guy pulls up from two. This is like if this was like a regular season game, he'd be in the in, in Raptors lore right now. It's just oh, absolutely. Him. It's him a, and Jeff Dowden, who also yeah, Jeff Dowden also looked good, but yeah. But, 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 oh, but he, sorry, he was the guy that I was thinking of when I mentioned the earlier comment about just better ball ball movement, ball handling, giving mm. the ball up early. Even in this in this play, you saw this sequence happen a couple times early in the game, and you saw Scotty sort of drive all the way, or Siakam handle the ball all the way to the top of the three point line. Here, it's given up early because there's a guy ahead of you, and and it pays off for the Raptors. So just it's like you know you made you made the point earlier that or Aiden made the point that people are sort of trying the new skill they learned in the summer mm-hmm. in preseason. Like they're trying to testing it out, seeing what works, but these guys aren't doing that. They're fighting for their lives. They have no new skills to try out. They're like, I want to impress the coach to make the team. And coaches don't get impressed by one-on-one individual play. They get impressed by team play. So these guys are motivated to play like a team. And that's what they did in that second half. Unlike the, 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 the starter who are more, you know, if you believe Aiden, kind of like testing out what they learned. That's true. That just reminded me, though, like my problem with Scotty this game was that every time he got the ball, he stopped it and looked around. And he's like a point guard, and he wants to be the guy that, that's operating and telling guys where to cut and all that stuff. But I felt in this game way too many times he was stopping the flow of the offense. As soon as the ball found him, it was really sticking in his hands. Uh and I want to make I want to see him make quicker decisions with the ball just because he's going to have an easier time scoring and and doing everything if he makes quicker decisions rather than letting the defense really key in on him. Um, Gabe Brown, though, I went out on a limb on doing the show with the Raptor show with Alex. And I said, like, he's someone I would like to see make the team just because his skill set is so different from like the the skill sets that we've kind of seen in terms of um DJ Wilson and and uh, Champagne. I, I feel like a lot of these guys have pretty similar. Josh Jackson, like defense first guys. Gabe Brown is just like an elite shooter who can do it moving, who is not afraid to pull up. And as we saw in this game, the Raptors really do not have a lot of three-point shooting still. And that is his case. If he's going to make the team, it is purely based on the shooting. Yeah, let's let's actually talk about that because I think that's sort of the elephant in the room here, which we, we which we haven't talked about yet, is our three point shooting. And uh, other than Gary, I think he hit a couple threes. What, what does he look at here? 
No, he just hit one, one for, one for five. Can, can you put this the box score back up uh, for a second? Sorry, uh, this is just me. This is just the one Gary three. Oh, okay, there it is. Okay, yeah, it looked pretty good though. And he, I think he had a mid range jumper or something like that. What do we have? One for five, one for six. If Gary and Fred aren't hitting their shots, you know that Siakam is always going to be so-so. OG is hit and miss. Barnes, we can't expect that from him. So our main two three-point shooters are Gary Trent Jr. and Fred. If they have games like this, I think the offense will look like the way it did today, regardless of who the opponent is. Uh, and I think this is – this is the okay, of the guys you mentioned, Gabe Brown, uh, Josh Jackson, who, who is the best three-point shooter there? Like, who, who's the better Gabe three-point shooter? Gabe huh? Brown. Gabe. Gabe Brown, yeah. So sure. I would say he has the inside track to making the team on account of his three-point shooting because I think that's where the Raptors struggle the most, and I think that's where they need help the most. Yeah, but I disagree because I remember the Sam Decker. Isaac Bonga was picked over Sam Decker last year, and it was the same argument. It was like and, – and I remember Decker hit like seven threes in the final preseason game when we were like, he made his case. He's on the team. And they're yeah. like, no, we're, we're going to take Isaac Bonga, who I think is playing in Germany this season. Um, so, yeah, that maybe they learned. That was a mistake. Maybe, we, in hindsight tells us that exactly. was a mistake. Yeah, okay. maybe they learned from their mistake. But to me, the Raptors are just – they do not like one-dimensional players, even if that one dimension is the thing they desperately need. So, I don't know. In terms of the three-point struggles, look, Otto Porter's not playing. And he's going to give them that OG I, I put in the camp as, as a guy who I firmly believe is going to knock down three pointers with regularity. But yeah, I think everyone who expected Siakam and Scotty to come in this season, all of a sudden elite three point shooters were kidding themselves. Like yeah. these things don't happen that quickly. If they ever happen at all, I'm a little skeptical with Siakam. It'll ever come. Um, So I got to ask you, uh, you mentioned OG there. Uh, I mean, your criticism of uh, Scotty on kind of stopping the play when he gets the ball. I feel I can say the same thing about OG today. Well, I think the difference with OG is that usually when he gets the ball, it's like in the post. And so, yeah, he's going to slow it down and and back a guy in and see if the double comes and whatnot. With Scotty, it's, it's so often in transition or at the perimeter where he stops the ball. And and Scotty just gets more of the ball. So I think that's the difference. When OG gets the ball, like it's a little rarer. And so I don't maybe blame him as much for looking to score. And he was efficient. That's the other thing. He he was good today. Okay. Like I, I gotta run. Let, let's take some questions. Four of eight. Let, let, let's take some questions and uh and 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 get out of here. Because this, this, this is a preseason down game. Albeit Boston, a good win against Boston, it is a preseason game. So what do we got? Well, I mean, it wasn't game. a good win because the starters lost by a lot. Yeah, lot yeah, you're right. You're right. The starters lost, but I'm not going to complain about a win against Boston. All right. Okay. That's fair. Okay. What is the path to a top-tier offense for this team? It seems like the same limitations for the last two seasons. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree with this. I, I, I was actually thinking about this. I was like, since the championship year, We've had the 2020 year where we lost to Boston. Siakam blew that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the next year was the tank season in Tampa. Last year was you know, not a great end to, the, end, end to the season. The offense did not look good there at all. And this year, it doesn't seem, you know, Otto Porter Jr. is the main addition on this roster. Besides that, we're relying on organic growth. 
I don't know. I, I don't know if Nick Nurse actually has the tools to make this a good offense. And I'm also not sure if Nick Nurse is the is the brains that will make this a good offense. I, I feel yeah. like some more help there. Yeah, that's a that's a fair criticism. In terms of a top tier offense, I don't think not there is a path for it. There's no path. But I think to a top fifteen offense or whatever, there's definitely a path. And it it's a it's you're really, really good in transition. Like that's just the reality of look at who this team is built around. Scotty, Pascal, Precious. These guys are absolutely dominant players in transition, or at least they have the capabilities to be. Plus, this is the most aggressive defense in the league with the point of getting out in transition. Like, the Raptors have to be more... Because last year, they got out in transition a lot, but they weren't at all very efficient. And so this year, if you want a better offense, that's an easy... That's low-hanging fruit to me. Like, be efficient in transition while still creating the same type of steals and turnovers you did last year. In terms of the half court, what were you going to say? No, no, no. Continue, continue. I mean that—that's so the, the the transition is like okay, get get go and run. Yeah, but if teams know you're going to run, they're not like you're not going to surprise them by running. Like it, it becomes pretty obvious that you are trying to run because you can't score in the in the half court. That has never been a sustainable strategy in any sort of like like in a playoff series, for example. Like, not in a playoff series, but it has in the regular season. In the regular season, sure. But what does that what does that really mean? So yeah, fine. You 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 may win some games in in the in the by, by running and like out kind of like out uh, staminaing the other team a few times. But I don't think it's a I don't think that's what the question is. I think the question is talking about a sustainable strategy, I think. Like a playoff strategy. How how do we win a few games in in the regular season? You mean in the playoffs? Yeah, in the playoffs. Okay, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, nothing yeah. matters. That's fair. Okay, I think I think a what we talked about last week or last episode, which was a little more Fred off the ball as a spot up shooter and and giving OG uh, Scotty and Pascal a little bit more of the ball, just because that way they are the guy at the end of the shot clock taking those shots, and I'm pretty confident with them doing that. Um, I think OG is a huge piece of it too, like. There is a reason the Raptors were whatever that stat was that they said in the game, like really, really good, like 30 and 15 or something with OG in the lineup last year. And a lot of it is defense, of course, but he he is a different thing offensively than anyone else on that team. And he's not very refined or polished, but he's a really good three point shooter. As we saw today, if you switch everything, like the Celtics do, he will bully Marcus Smart in the post. And not a lot of guys can bully Marcus Smart that easily. So I really do think, like, to me, and you could tell me if you disagree, I think most Raptors fans would disagree with this because I think most Raptors fans have, like, Pascal should be the number one scoring option, and then it should be Scotty, and then Trent or OG. I think OG should be number two in terms of the Raptors scoring options. And then I think Scotty and Trent come after that for me. Uh, obviously Fred is, is going to get his probably be the third option, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think OG is like, see, I always think of in terms of like, who is underutilized, like which, which of our offensive players remains underutilized. Like if you want to improve it, like who, who, who can give you more than what they are giving you right now. And if you sort by that order, I think OG becomes sort of the obvious answer followed by maybe Barnes. Um, but as mm-hmm. you said in the last time we talked, Barnes doesn't seem to have like any sort of like set role in the offense. It's very much 
uh, he's like living off the scraps of other people. Uh, right. Do you agree with that? I, I think we both, we, we, right. Okay. You're nodding your head for the people. on. The yeah, podcast. I agree. Yeah, okay. Uh, so that leaves OG. And if you look at OG, the best way that he can score is, as you said, when he, when, when, when he's playing against a team that switches a lot and he goes into the post where he obviously has an advantage, regardless of whether it's guys, uh, Marcus Smart size or guys that are bigger than Marcus Smart. I think he can take bigger guys into the post too, because he's bulkier than them. Um, that doesn't seem to be a um, a strategy that Nick Nurse actually exploits a lot. He exploits it on occasion here and there, but I don't think we've ever seen OG become a, a post-up player where he, he may get like five or six possessions in the post. He, he doesn't do that. And I'm not even sure if Nick Nurse wants to do that, because if you do that, it sort of slows the offense down and goes away from the entire style of like running and and being aggressive on the break like so it's almost like if you go against your philosophy of running and 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 transition play you sort of squeeze og out of the best thing he's capable of it's like a conundrum that 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 exists and i think so far og's been on the short end of that straight now now do we expect the offense to sort of cater to OG to that level. Oh, OG, let's like run all these plays for you. No, I think he's got to step up and hit his mid-range jumpers, hit his pull-ups better, be quicker when he when he's using the screen, like reduce his dribble count by at least 30%, you know, because I think he over, over dribbles quite a bit before he has to take a shot or make a decision. So it's on OG as well too. We can't just say Nick Nurse isn't doing that or the rappers aren't doing that. I think OG himself has sort of needs to step up like i mean he's he's getting up there now like he's you know he's a veteran in, in in some way so i think it's on him more than anything yeah i think that's fair um but i i think what you touched on is smart in terms of the other way to a top tier offense i actually think it is a, a post heavy offense because i think there's two different things like transition in a half court even though the post is like the most slow way you can play I just think that that is how they are best built to have successes with all these guys who are huge makes other teams have mismatches because you're going to have a two guard guarding Scotty Barnes. And the be- I, I think, you know, Caitlin Cooper had a good stat on, on uh, Samson's podcast previewing the season. And I apologize for not actually remembering it, but it was about how efficient the Raptors were passing out of the post. And I think that's buy more into that. Like, more mismatch hunting, more going into the post and then pass out of it if a double comes or just take it in yourself if if the double doesn't come. I think really that like everyone's asking for more pick and roll and I get it. But I think as you saw against a team like Boston, they just switch the pick and roll and like you don't get a whole lot about it. You can try to slip it, but in general, you're not getting a lot out of it. So um, I like I think the post is the best way to defeat those switch heavy uh, defenses and I want to see them buy a little bit more into that. And 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 not, um, I think the Raptors are actually are even equi- equipped to deal with teams that switch because they do have guys who 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 have a good first step for their for like Siakam. I think like he may not have he, he may not have a quick first step, but he has a long first step. Like he, it'll take him two strides to get to the rim, which he does. And once he extends, his shot is not not the highest percentage shot, but it's still a pretty decent shot. And in those situations, the Raptors also do well to kick it back out to the wings. They're also good at that. But in those situations, it comes back down to three-point shooting, which we don't have. So no matter how you sort of slice and dice this thing, I don't think you can get away in today's NBA without 
excellent three-point shooting, and the Raptors do not have that, and it needs to be addressed. It wasn't addressed last year, not the year before, and I think it's still a shortcoming. We, we can talk about post-ups and, you know, Siakam doing better, but without strong and consistent three-point shooting, uh, we're, we're not going to be a, a force. Yeah, that's actually, that's a fair point. Like, Hey, we got, we got more here. Let's do a uh, question. Uh, given Champagne being injured, does he lose his chance at the last spot? Uh, Jackson really has shown enough offensive game to wow me. Also, Gabe Brown has such a perfect 3 and D skill. Uh, Champagne losing his last spot. What's his contract situation, first of all? Isn't he guaranteed this year? No, no, he's, he's not for his spot. Oh, he's no, he's, he's one of the last guys. Like It, it okay. seems like it's between these these three, maybe uh, mm-hmm. Wilson. Okay. Unless Wancho doesn't make the team, but he has some guaranteed money. That's why a lot of people think he's... Well, that's the guy that, I mean, that's you stole, you know, that's what I would, I would throw him into this mix. What has he should be? He should be in the mix. It's just interesting that he talked on media day and like, he seems like a really big, he seems pretty much guaranteed just based on the money they gave him. And also like, you do not give guys at media day who are not guaranteed to make the team in general. So... We'll see. Oh, is that a thing? Is that a is that in that general? A... Yeah, I mean, he, I get it. He was in a movie. People wanted to talk to him, but I was surprised to see him there talking. Okay, I mean, uh, you, you you know better than I do on that one, sure. But we talked about this kind of last week and all, or last episode and also this episode. Like, yeah, I I think Champagne has still shown more than any of these guys. But look, if he can't play any of these preseason games and it keeps going this way, then that's really bad luck and. Like we have recency bias, but so do coaches. And eventually it's like, what have I seen recently? And if I've seen Josh Jackson play well in every preseason game and I haven't seen Champagne in two weeks, then of course it's human nature to go in that direction. Um, I, I, I don't know if the coaches have that level of recency bias. Well, you know? well, Nick was saying that they have a vote after every game and that and that some guys wanted to change their vote after the first game. What is this survivor? They're playing survivor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the coaches have a vote after each game. But I was like, I was like, yeah, they probably take their vote. But at the end of the day, Nick is probably choosing. You know? Yeah. Okay. So let's, let, let's, let's, let's go into Champagne a little bit. Cause uh, 36% uh, three point shooter. I'm guessing he was higher from the corners. Cause I think that was a spot last year. Everybody's higher from the corners, but I think Champagne was like, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think he was like closer to 40% from the corners and 36% overall. Plus, he gives you offensive rebounding, which you need if you can't shoot well. So it's not like Champagne has skills that are less desired than these guys, and he has proven NBA experience last year. So um, does he lose his chance at the last spot? If I had to go, I would I would say no, he doesn't. I think the coaching staff still knows that he is a good three-point shooter from the corner, and he also gives you extra possessions through offensive rebounding. I don't think the, – the, the, let's see what happens the rest of preseason, but so far I don't I don't think uh, this has hurt Champagne. I mean, it has maybe reduced his chances a little bit, but I don't think it's going it's gonna to – Yeah, he shot 40% on 6.3 attempts in the G League last season. I think that's the big thing is that as the, as he kind of went to the G League, he shot a lot better than he did in the NBA. So there's progression there. Um, yeah, it's 
like you said, we've talked about it. He's a good yeah, rebounder. We're, he's a good shooter. Hey, this is—I don't think we talked about this guy much. Uh, Jeff Doughton, Kelsey had a nice little piece on um, on him too uh, on Raptors Republic. Uh, might jump ahead of Flynn for backup PG minutes. Boy, everybody's coming for Flynn, man. Everybody is coming for Flynn. Well, well, what are your thoughts on uh, on Doughton? It's not out of the question, honestly. Like he—he's not like a typical rookie in that he is. I think he did four years of college and then he's been around the G league. He's, he's played on, on the, in the NBA games. Like this is not his first stint. And he is really impressive with the ball just in terms of like, he, he does have a way of controlling the game. I think he makes really smart decisions. And then when it's crunch time, he can get his own, like we saw today and we saw it in, in summer league. Um, so yeah, I mean, if if Flynn starts the year ahead of him, which I'm sure he will, but he can't knock down shots once again, and and he's just a liability on offense, then I could, I don't see why Jeff Doughton is so far behind Malachi Flynn that he couldn't potentially jump ahead of him. But uh, ultimately, neither of them are going to play too much. Um, By the way, yeah, Aaron, I love I, talking I, about like these no name guys uh, in the preseason video. This is uh, this is great. Let, let, let's take some more questions here, man. I'm I'm kind of enjoying this now. Uh, if Oren gives up on Flynn, that's pretty much signing his death certificate. Why are you a I'm big Flynn backer? I don't know, Matt. Why are you saying that? I I've almost given up on Flynn many times, so <laughs> I'm right on the brink. But yeah, I've been nice to him this summer just because you know I'm giving everyone a chance. It's a refresh. It's a fresh start for everyone. Let's see what Malachi can do. Okay. Uh, any more questions here? Like, there's a lot of comments. Um, okay, here we go. After two preseason games, who would you keep or cut? Gabe, Justin, Doughton, DJ, or Bo Cruz? Okay, I'll go first on this one. Uh, I would cut Bo Cruz. Uh, DJ Wilson, nice nice job on the glass. Some nice rebounding in traffic tonight. Uh, but he would, he would have to go. Uh, if it's three of these five I got to keep, I would keep the first three. But if I had to rank within those three, I would keep i like what i saw of gabe and i like lefties i got a soft spot for them so i'm gonna go gabe justin doughton dj and bo cruz actually exactly in this order that he has written <laughs> yeah i think uh this technically isn't right because doughton already is guaranteed a spot right. like he has a two-way spot so there's really no debating him but um i would take justin first then Gabe, um, then Bo Cruz, then DJ. Hey, it's Josh. Her, her is, but, but, but I mean, oh, it should be in trouble. But as you said, he's got guaranteed money. So yeah, but the they cut Spee. Spee had guaranteed in trouble. Spee had guaranteed money, and they cut his ass. Oops. So you know, it's possible. Um, Okay. I don't know. I, we haven't seen enough. Like, let's right, wait till the end of preseason. And, and Have the judge. Raptors lost development coaches as of uh, recently? How come offense still seems to stall? It seems like we have no set plays. Is it because of read and react offense? Um, good. I mean, I think we talked sort of about this a little bit earlier. Uh, yeah, I don't know what did. a read and react offense is. I mean, maybe that's going back to the old. I think it Phil just Jackson. means. No, I think no. He's he's saying, is it because of read and react? Like that's what we have in place now. I think he just means that, like right now, it's a lot more loose rather than structured. Like guys can kind of determine what they want to do offensively rather than having a lot of structure. 
Okay, I'm gonna date myself now, and I'm mm. gonna talk about. I'm not gonna understand it. No, no, you will, you will, you will. Okay. Uh, you know, when, whenever I heard this read and react offense, it reminds me of Phil Jackson and the triangle, because I think that was the first time that, as a basketball fan, I heard of the idea of sort of like no set plays, and you just react to what the defense is giving you. And the triangle was. It took me years to even understand what was happening in the triangle. I was like a teenager when I was watching the Bulls. And as I grew up, I studied a little bit more. As I said, okay, this seems pretty complicated. And you require a lot of like understanding on what the movement is and how you would might, how you might, it's like a chess game. You have, almost have to think like one step ahead on what might happen and do that accordingly. If that's what Nick Nurse is asking of our offense, man, it sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot. Is that, is that what he's asking, asking for us to any, do? No, he's asking basically guys to just ISO because there's no structure. Like he's just he's just asking them to kind of control their own destiny on offense. I think more what than the hell does that mean. That doesn't mean you're not saying anything. Like like there's no structure. There's not a lot of set plays. He he's asking them to kind of figure it out on their own. I think is the is the complaint. Like. Guys are just there's a lot of freedom. If you see Precious Achua take a step back three, that's because there he has the freedom to take a step back three. And that's that sounds like you know who and Nick Nurse knows obviously more than us combined times a thousand, but that seems like a bit of a cop out of a, not wanting. Well, to I think it. a lot of it is for the long haul, right? Like last season, it was understandable because you're trying to develop these guys' skill sets and. The only way to do that is through practicing reps and figuring out what works and what doesn't for yourself. But I, I, as we talked about last week, like this could be the season that th- those things get clamped down a little bit more where it's not so much about development anymore. And it's really about winning and, and you've got to cut some of that stuff out and, and run some more structure. Um, okay. All right. Let's take some a, few, a couple more. That's it. Uh, how long? How much longer is Nurse going to let Fred continue to take contested layups that turn into fast breaks? I mean, I thought I I, I thought Fred was fine at the rim tonight. Like, what happened? He, he had that nice. He had a couple nice ones, and I think like one didn't go. I don't know. I see. I, I see the. I see the question's point though. I do too. But what are you gonna do as Nick Nurse? Fred, no more layups. Like you can't just do that shit. You know. I mean, he is your starting point guard, man. You know, like every every player will take some percentage of low percentage shots. And Fred's against Boston is at the rim. I thought he improved at the rim last year compared to the year before. So that was good. I thought his finishing improved. He had more English on his uh, on his little kisses off the glass. So that was good. I think it's unfair to judge Fred against Boston because he just... He, it's just not a good matchup for him. Uh, they, they sort of know what to expect. They, they, the Boston even like, you know, even in transition, they post him up early with like 22 seconds on the shot clock. Like Fred's already got like Horford on him for some reason, <laughs> like deep into the post. So they target him. So I would, I would refrain from judging Fred based on this game. But your overall point is well taken. He does struggle at the rim, but he has improved over the last couple of years. So I don't think we should be entirely critical of, of, of Fred there. Yeah, someone asked how I would rate Precious tonight. He was not good. Um, 
I'll give you that. <laughs> I think it was a leading question. But uh, he was good in transition. He had a couple of really nice takes in transition where he handled the ball the length of the court and finished at the rim. But yeah, the three-point shot did not look good, which, like, I, as as high as I am on Precious, like, I'm not ready to buy that he's a good three-point shooter based no. on a half a season no. last season. So there's a lot, there's a lot still waiting to be told, but... Um, I also did feel like Precious is is really doing that. Let me see what I can do here in the preseason stuff. Like, mm-hmm. doesn't feel like he's really, yeah, he's just taking threes and like not really trying that hard. I think, you know, so. it's it's like Lewis's piece on Siakam a couple. I don't know if you can pull it up, uh, Kian. It's like it's on the site. You should definitely check it out. Like, it's a it's a really good piece. Uh, really, as usual, well researched and and makes a very succinct point. It's about. Uh, do teams want Pascal Siakam shooting the ball? Here, I'll, I'll link it to you here. Uh, it's okay. Let me just post it here. Okay, uh, you should definitely check this piece out uh, because I think a lot of what uh, Lewis is talking about here, describing uh, Siakam shooting, I think will eventually apply to Precious. Is that he will be a good catch and shoot three point shooter, and he may not ever develop that pull-up three that he he tends to take these days uh so i think the same same type of uh idea is applied with pressures uh the question is can he hit pull up sorry not pull up can he hit spot up threes when other people set it up for him that's how you would judge precious's three-point shooting not based on the the pull-up stuff he should not be taking those uh, or if if he takes them they should be few and far between yeah no, for sure. I, I honestly think a lot of these questions that we're getting go back to like fans have to ask themselves how they view this season. Like, because if you're going to come here and, and blame Precious for shooting threes or Fred for attacking the rim, like you said, he got better last season. Why? Why did he get better? Because he had the freedom to attack the rim again and again, even if it didn't look good. So I think fans need to ask themselves, like, is this season again about development or do I want the Raptors to fully buy in? on winning and therefore limiting the the growth potential but really focusing on winning um because those are kind of two different styles of play and you got to ask yourself that question if if you are going to complain about guys doing things that they need to get better at which in the short term is not going to look good and not going to help the team then that means that you are all in and that you want them to trade for kd for example like you're all in but if you're ready to w- let this group grow together over the next few years, then you have to be willing to accept some of this stuff. So when Fred is asked in preseason, Hey, what's the goal this year? And he replies championship. Doesn't that tell you that the goal is winning and all these other things of development are like, yeah, of course, every, every team is developing. Every team's trying to get better. Every player is trying to like improve from the previous year. We're all, we're everybody's doing that. But when the stated goal from the starting point guard is a championship, then you have to judge their play against whether they are good enough to win a championship. What do you think? I think you're taking him a, a little too much at his word. Uh, I'll also point out that Masai said, "Do I think this team is good enough to win a championship this season? No, I don't." But I think they're good enough to take a leap. That's what Masai said. So I, I just don't buy what these guys say as much as how how it goes back to you as a fan. Like, 
are the Raptors in that championship group? For me, they're not there yet. And that's okay. Like, this is another growth season for me. Um, so I'm okay with some precious KD at you setback threes, but you may not be. Um, Draymond yeah, Green I, I, punched I, I, Jordan Poole today in practice. I'm I'm fine. I, you know, I, I'm, I have my expectations of this team. And I think uh, somebody on the site, like in the comment section, did like predictions. And I think I ended up with 46, 40, 47 wins. That's not a championship team. That's, that's not a, even, that's worse than last season. That, that, that's You're like a, a, a six seed. That's where I think this team is, unless they actually address the elephant in the room, which is their three-point shooting. And I know Otto Porter Jr. isn't playing, but I don't think Otto, Otto Porter Jr. has averaged like three threes in his career. He has had one season where he took more than five threes a game. That's not the guy you're going to rely on to open things up. Uh, it needs to be a collective effort. Otto Porter Jr. is a part of it, but it's got to be more than that. And I just don't see the Raptors becoming a you know, top 10 three-point shooting team or a top 15 three-point shooting team this year. I just don't see it. I don't see it either, but I'll say this, though, in terms of like ceiling for this team. I could see them win a playoff series or two if OG, Fred, and Gary are all hot at, at the same time. Like, that is the path. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Fine. I I'm mean, an optimist. The, the, the top say? nine teams in the East can make that claim. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Okay. Okay. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Right <laughs> Thanks here. for listening, guys. Uh, we'll be back here on Friday night where the Raptors are playing another preseason game. I mean, Oh, they're playing Houston? Houston. Yeah, they're playing Houston. So... We'll be back here then. As always, uh, subscribe to the Raptors Republic YouTube channel. Support us on the Raptors Republic website. And yeah, thanks thanks for tuning in. Thanks Premium. For- oh, yeah, yeah. We, we got to promote our subscription model, man. Yeah. Oh. For all you readers out there, yeah. Um, Raptors Republic has gone to a, a two-tiered content system where some of the editorial content is going to be uh, paywalled. For the cheap, cheap price of $6 a month. So if you are a big Raptors fan and you like reading about this team and getting smarter about this team, you should definitely go subscribe for $6 a month to all the great all the great written content. I write on there. Aiden writes on there. All, all the wrap-up guys write on there in addition to Samson and Joshua and Lewis and, and a lot of people. Uh, go ahead, Zara. Why don't you finish this off? Uh, yeah, uh, subscribe, man. It, it's worth it. It's completely worth it. Uh, and, uh, you know, as the season goes, you know, it doesn't matter if the Raptors suck or if the Raptors do great. Either way, we're going to di- dissect the hell out of it. And uh, I also intend on writing a little bit more this year. Uh, so, oh, know. look at that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to make my own video uh, saying why you should subscribe. Oh, okay, so, okay. so this is just a little teaser. Hey, so maybe maybe next episode we talk about sort of this point, which we did not talk about. And for the podcast listeners, it's where is our perimeter defense it's like more so that the there. defense is so aggressive. Anyways, it is. Are we going to get into this? No, we're not going to get into this. <laughs> Let's defer that. I was frustrated today, though. Until next time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye. Bye.